Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. J.M. Ryerson is an entrepreneur who has been building companies and leading sales teams for over 16 years. J.M. is also the co-auth founder and CEO of Let's Go Win, and he's also the author of a book called Let's Go Win, a company dedicated to helping people around the world live their best lives. He has spent his career focused on enriching the lives of others while continuing to educate himself on best practices in leadership, vulnerability, and teamwork. Jam's great passions are helping his team members lead a life of fulfillment and become vulnerable and open to what life has in store for them. His ultimate goal is to give others the tools that will allow them to transcend their self-limiting beliefs. And these are all topics that I think are really important to our topic today about bravery in the workplace. There's nothing more inspiring than to watch someone achieve more than they could ever imagine. And that is why JM considers it a real privilege to be part of other people's incredible journeys. So welcome to our podcast, JM. Ed, thanks for having me, man. This is uh, is awesome to be here and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Well, I did a uh, moderate job of introducing you, and I'm wondering if you could tell our audience a little bit more about what you do today and really how you interact in the marketplace. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I ended up writing the book that you mentioned, Let's Go Win, uh, a couple years ago, and it was actually originally just for my two kids. I have a 14 and 11-year-old boys, and uh, the idea was for all the lessons that I've learned from my parents, grandparents, mentors, and authors just wanted them to kind of not skin their knees maybe as much as I did growing up. And so when I wrote the book, I had a gal say, I didn't know you were selfish. And I said, I didn't know I was selfish either. What do you mean? And she said, if you only share this book with two people, you're very selfish. And I said, okay, lesson learned. And so that started us on a path of, you know, publishing the book and then really, you know, starting with the podcast and, and then the next book came along and, and that's a shorter workbook called Champions Daily Playbook. But the whole idea of the company is literally to help people, as you said, transcend or overcome self-limiting beliefs, because I try not to say the word hate, but I hate self-limiting beliefs. I, if I could eradicate one thing, it would be that because so many people can do so many amazing things 
but they've been conditioned to think maybe they can't. And so if I can do that with the folks that I can influence in my space, whether it be clients, friends, family, uh, listeners, that's that's my hope. And so it's been an awesome ride. I get fulfilled, I think, more than even anybody I work with because I'm working with incredible people like yourself that are providing these great ideas and and lessons that people should should and can apply every single day if they choose to. Well, I love this model and this idea about self-limiting beliefs, and I'd love to start there if we can, JM, and tell us a little bit more about self-limiting beliefs. And let me tell you why I'm asking, because when I think about what I've heard about bravery in the workplace, one of the first places somebody goes to not be braver in the workplace are the stories they tell themselves as to why I shouldn't do it, right? We fill ourselves up with the reasons we shouldn't, as opposed to filling ourselves up with the reasons that we should. But you know, before we go there, tell us a little bit more about your experience with this concept of self-limiting beliefs. Yeah, so many of our thoughts are given to us and as hardwires before we ever developed a long-term memory. So take your parents, and my parents were wonderful. They are still wonderful human beings. However, did they have some negative thoughts that they passed down? Of course they did, just like anybody. And so once we start, we don't question maybe uh, my relationship with money or success. These are things that we've inherited. Now, if you stop to think, why do I think this way? Maybe that was just something that was handed to us. Maybe that self-limiting belief was something that because my grandfather was such and such, then my father was such and such, therefore I'm such and such. That's such a cliche and it's just not true. You can choose to do that. And if that's a family legacy and you want to stay there, cool. But if you want to be, let's say uh, you're an electrician, you come from generations of electricians, but you really want to be a writer or you want to, I don't know, uh, something out of the ordinary, be a lawyer. That's totally cool. You can choose to do that. You don't have to follow the path just because generations before you did. And so often people are like, well, because family, you know, generations before were electricians, I really want to be a lawyer, but because they are, then I'm going to be. That's just one example of people just following the easy path when the truth is you get to choose what you want to do every single moment, every single day, regardless. So another example would be if you were a shy kid. So Ed was a shy kid, let's say at 10 years old. Does that mean Ed is going to be shy at 30 or 40? Of course not. He can choose to be, but just because Ed was shy then doesn't mean he's going to be shy now. And so these labels that we lump and are heaped upon us, look, sometimes they serve us well, but often they, they don't. And so that's some of the rewiring that, that I work with people on is don't call your, don't label yourself these things unless it's serving you. If it is fantastic, but if it's not just because someone said you were shy or you were whatever, you can choose to be or you, or you don't have to be. Well, you know, I think it's so funny that you're talking all about this idea of labeling. I was just having this conversation with a colleague recently about labels. And, you know, I was telling a story about how my daughter, because she has a very high degree of uh, 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 focus on particular things, she's like, oh, you know, I'm ADHD, dad. And I'm like, no, don't label yourself because of that, because it comes with everything else that people uh, Put in there. So you just have a very high sense of expectation. That's all. It's not some issue or concern or diagnosis that you have. So, you know, do you work with people who 
say to you or, well, that's just who I am or that's how I see myself or I can't do that because this is, you know, the label that I've provided myself? All the time. I, I mean, that is literally people like to label themselves or other people because it makes it neat and organized. But listen, labels are for boxes or packages. Those are things that aren't going to change. This box is a package and it should go somewhere. So you need to put a label on it and say, go there. Human beings don't have a destination that they are destined to go to. You get to choose what you want to do. So why would I label myself? In that moment, sure, I could say, again, I, I use shy and outgoing because that's an easy one for people to understand. I'm shy in this moment. Okay, cool. So you were shy from 10 to 20 years old, 10 to 40 years old. The next morning, you could wake up and choose to be the most outgoing human being if that's what you choose to do, but it is a choice. And so that's the thing that people have to understand. Human beings are not stagnant we evolve, we change every single moment. You get to choose how you want to show up today. And that could be awesome or it could be awful. But guess what? You get to make that choice. No one else does, regardless of the labels put upon you. So why do you think people label themselves based on your experience working with others and your own observations? You know, why are we so prone to labeling ourselves? Identity, unfortunately, good, bad, or indifferent. So, for instance, I was an athlete all growing up. Uh, I played in college, and after my third knee surgery, I was no longer an athlete necessarily in terms of I wasn't playing on a team or, you know, getting a scholarship for it. I would now became a normal student. Okay, cool. Even saying normal student, it just means I wasn't playing ball. But the point was I, I identified as an athlete. I liked that identification because that gave me a place that I belonged in. However, now that my career has changed, does that mean I'm a former athlete? Well, sure, it could, but I'm so much more than just an athlete. I, I like to read. I like to write. I like to, you know, I, I love being a dad. It's my favorite thing. I love being a dad. You can label me that all day long because that's one of those labels that serves me. I love that. But uh, so I think people just identify. It makes them feel comfortable, especially if it's something they want to be known as. However, some of these things that some of our most loved people in the world will heap things upon us and say, you're this or you're that. Cool. You're right. My actions showed I was that at that moment. That doesn't mean that's who I am today. And so if you can kind of break that chain and just say, look, is it serving me? Yes or no. If it is, keep with it, man. Be that athlete. But if it's not and it's bringing negativity to your world, shift, change, evolve, that is the one thing. This world changes. You get the chance to do the same. Right. You know, and I think about this concept of choices. And in the work that I do with clients, I help them make what I think are choices. And, you know, there's that old phrase. I don't well, I don't know that it's incredibly old, but within the last couple of decades about, hey, make good choices today. You know, that phrase that parents say to their kids is are hopping out of the car at school. And, you know, most of my clients, it's not about making good choices. It's about make a choice right? We're almost trained not to choose and not to say, hey, I can provide feedback to somebody that's going to help them. I'm going to do it. We don't even get there. And I'm just curious as well, JM, what your experience has been with helping people not just make good choices, but choose and to make a choice. Yeah, it's funny, especially in the workplace. Uh, I think people have read that you're supposed to look or act a certain way. So they choose not to be themselves. And I, the biggest, most profound lesson I ever learned in the workplace is to be vulnerable, completely be me, 
not put on the masks. Now, look, in early in my career, I did. I wore the three-piece suit, the, the tie. I looked a certain way because that's what I thought I had to do. And by the way, I disliked every single moment that I was in that suit and tie. I, I'm in a t-shirt right now. That's, I am a t-shirt and jeans guy. That's who I am. That's what I, again, there's a label, but I really enjoy that. That's one of those things that I'm comfortable in. And so in work, if you can take the mask off and you can truly be you, here's what happens. Those around you, they will be attracted to you because I do believe the majority of the world, they're good people. They have a lot to provide. But if you show up and you're trying to sound a certain way or trying to please everybody, it's impossible. So you got to show up as your vulnerable self, giving everything that you have to that job or occupation, but don't choose to, to look a certain way, be you. And if you're not valued there, maybe it's time for looking for a different occupation. And I'm not saying go quit your job tomorrow. That's not my point. My point is make sure that the values line up. And if that's true, then that allows you to show up as who you are every single day. And, you know, I love the word vulnerability. And over the time that I've been hosting the podcast, people have used vulnerability as a word they use to describe bravery. And yet I believe in many ways, it's really a word to describe the person receiving the feedback, right? That if I want to go talk to my boss about something, and I think if it doesn't go well, this is going to be a career limiting conversation. You know, I'm hoping my boss is going to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I'm interested in what you have to say. Tell me more. And so I'm, I'm curious as well, uh, and for our listeners, what your experience has been around this word vulnerability and, you know, kind of what you mean and how it can help people be braver in the workplace. Well, let's start with being more brave in the workplace, because there is a simple solution to this. You need to get permission first before you just start spouting things off. Unsolicited advice goes over like a lead balloon. It goes over poorly. If, if I were to say to you, hey, Ed, blah, 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 and you didn't give me permission to say something, it's going to be received poorly. Do it with your spouse or significant other. I promise you, it goes over poorly. But if you say, hey, I would like to ask your permission. I noticed something. Would you mind if I gave you some feedback? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, don't give it. But most of the time, people want feedback. They want to get better. So if I ask for permission and my boss says, you know what? JM, I would love to hear the feedback and I provide it to him. Now I'm coming from in a safe place where he has said, he or she has said, yes, I want to receive uh, your feedback. Now it's no longer unsolicited. And now I'm hearing it, not from a defensive, like I did something wrong, but rather this is a employee that wants better for the company. So that is one of the big things for people to be vulnerable. Make sure you ask for permission first. So often they'll just be like, oh, this place sucks or this, this is the problem, but you didn't get permission first. And so now it just sounds like a complaint. Instead, you say, hey, do you mind if I give you some, uh, you know, candid feedback? And if the answer is yes, go ahead. That will allow you to be vulnerable. That'll put you in a good place. Now, there are work environments where it's not safe to be vulnerable. You have the fear of being fired if you say anything. Guess what? That's probably not where you want to be. That's probably not the culture you want to be in. But I promise if you try and get the permission and they say yes, now you should be open to completely being vulnerable. Well, I love that uh, thought process, JM. And 
I think for our listeners, it's important to walk away from our conversation today with that as a key lesson, which is anytime that you want to provide feedback, it's always good to first ask if the person is open to hearing it, because if they are open to hearing it, they're now giving you the authority to say what you want to say, which of course you will say respectfully, but you want to share with them something that would help them, right? You're not trying to be dictatorial or professorial and put them down or make them feel bad, but hey, here's an observation. Here's something that I think would help you. And so uh, getting permission is such a key variable in being successful. When you think about bravery in the workplace, JM, are there any words or phrases that come to mind beyond, you know, some of the things we talked about today, which I think are all great, like self-limiting choices, vulnerability, any other words or phrases that come to mind for you? Yeah, two that really strike me, and that's courage and fun. Uh, I say courage is like a muscle. It gets stronger the more you use it, but you have to take that leap one time. So maybe it's not a huge courageous thing that you're going to stand up and talk to the entire office at, at a staff meeting. Maybe you start with going to your supervisor, and that's the first act of courage. And you say, oh, that wasn't so bad. Now you talk to your next, your team, and maybe that's a five people. Oh, that wasn't bad. Then it's to the department. That's 20 people. Now it's the entire company. But just trying that one act of courage, typically what you're going to find is it wasn't bad, and I can do it again, and then I can do it again. So that's the first one. The other thing is have fun. My goodness, as adults, we start forgetting how to play. And I'm telling you, think about when you are having, when you are smiling and having your most fun, you're playing, you're doing a game, you're, don't forget to do that in the workplace. Who wants to be around a bunch of stick in the muds? No one wants to go work at a boring place. I promise you, I don't care if it's an accounting firm or, uh, you know, a merchandise or whatever your, your company is. You can have fun. And here's my, my best example of that. One of my chores at home is doing the dishes. Do I love doing the dishes? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But I can choose to have a great time. I choose to have a dance party every time I'm doing the dishes. Guess what? I have a blast. So I don't mind doing the dishes now. It's just changing my thought. I'm going to go play. I'm going to go have some fun while doing the dishes. Why would work be any different? I can choose to have a great time doing my emails. It's just a choice. You can put headphones in. So if you choose to have some fun and you start moving, because that's the other thing that happens when you're having fun, typically you're moving. Now endorphins are firing. It's This is science, science at play. Literally biology is happening. And so now it allows you to be more courageous, not have fear, because everything you want is on the other side of fear. That is my favorite quote. I use it all the time, but everything that you want is on the other side of fear. But in order to overcome that, get courageous, start moving. Well, you know, I love the idea of dancing while you do the dishes. I'll have to pick that up myself. And because I'm, I'm a dishwasher here as well. But, you know, when you're talking about having fun, I think what you're also saying is that when you're thinking about saying something that needs to be said or doing something that needs to be done, you know, focus on how it's going to help. Right. So think about how is this going to help this leader be a better leader? How will this help the people that report to this leader have a better time at work? Don't spend all the time on the negative. Oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. I'm going to do a terrible job. But think about and try to get yourself into the context, because if you are in that context, your likelihood of having a better positive conversation is more great. Right. You're more likely to have a better conversation if you are in a positive context. 
So true. And, and when you state your intent, my intent of this conversation is X and it's a positive outcome. If you state that straight away, right, whether it's at work or it's with your spouse, my intent of what I'm about to say is X and it has a positive outcome. Now they're looking for, okay, good. I know the end result is positive. It's not just JM coming down and being a jerk or judgmental. No, he's saying, I want this out of this conversation. By the way, does that mean I'm going to say it perfectly and it doesn't screw up sometimes? Of course not. We are not robotic. We are human beings with emotions. But if I state my intent and it's positive, now it's going to allow them to assume positive intent of what I'm about to say. And so it's so true what you just said. And I use it with my kids all the time. I get permission from my kids to give them feedback. And I also tell them my intent of why I'm telling them so they don't feel like they're being judged or uh, parented all the time. It's like, no, dad actually just wants this because it'll help him or, you know, in my case, him better in this way. Well, a couple of great lessons for our listeners today, JM. One is to ensure that you ask for permission with somebody with whom you'd like to help be a better leader, performer, contributor, etc. And then the second is to be more focused on a positive outcome and the benefits it is of having the conversation versus the negative outcome. So it has been great speaking with you today. And I'm wondering if folks would like to talk to you more about the work that you've done or your two books, Let's Go Win and the Champions Daily Playbook. How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, great question. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Uh, they can go to letsgowin.com, uh, right on the website. The books are there. The blogs are there. Let's Go Win is the podcast that I do or let's go win 365 on any of the social media platforms. And, and if you reach out, we will get back to you uh, as quickly as humanly possible. But typically, if you reach out, we're back within less than 24 hours and hopefully even a couple hours. So I love interacting with folks. And Ed, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's just I love the work that you're doing. Keep up the great job, brother, because so many people need to hear your message. And, and I think it's awesome. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, JM, for your time today. Uh, truly my pleasure. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.